0: Welcome everybody, WWE Crown Jewel, 2023. I'm your host, Brian the uh, Hype Ballard, and we're back at it again with the results and thoughts. Roman Reigns, L.A. Night, yeah. Was it enough? Was it enough for such an event as Crown Jewel? We're gonna go over it tonight, and what I see, um, I want to get into this i want to talk a little bit about what roman means as champion what la Knight means as a possible main event in the future of wwe i want to talk about the little things that was done tonight i want to talk about all the highlights the lights and the frights guys it's been a long time i'm trying to get back right into this um dealing with a lot of Under the flu the last week. I don't want to use the C word, but man, my world was rocked. I'm trying to do this tonight. Bear with me if I don't run out of energy. But let's get into the kickoff match. And the kickoff match we got tonight was Sammy Zane versus JD McDonough. JD McDonough, who is not in Judgment Day technically, but don't we all just think that he is a member already? I know I see it. I think you guys do too. So the crowd was firmly behind Zayn in this one. I mean, it's Saudi Arabia. He does well there. And McDonough clearly knows it, right? Zayn goes for a tie-up immediately. McDonough's back into the ropes to create some distance among each other. Kind of a little slower start out in the matchup. McDonough muscles Zayn into the corner. Drags him over to one knee with a side headlock. Zayn then traps mcdonough in the corner and goes to work with some mounted punches and zane slams mcdonough's face into the top turnbuckle we get a lot of just a little back and forth in this uh opening matchup and the kickoff matches right they're designed to hype up the show give the crowd a going really right and just kind of test out the ring test out the ropes make sure the ring crew did their job tonight setting everything up really well and i think that match did that tonight for us um sammy zane again over with the crowd right and you know the guys got in there they tested out the different aspects um there was one part of the match and i don't know what happened if it was matt burn or if it was just a hell of a hit from sammy Zayn, right into mcdonough you guys can see here he got smacked right in that side and i mean it was just looking kind of brutal there so I definitely checked out in the mat definitely did its job there but ultimately these guys battled back and forth McDonough heads up to the top and goes for a moonsault, but Zane gets his boot up. Zane then hits an exploder suplex into the corner and follows up with the Huluva kick. Zane hits the Blue Thunder Bomb and gets the one, the two, and the three. Match result is going to be, again, Sami Zayn defeating JD McDonough with the Blue Thunder Bomb at the 9-minute, roughly 46-second mark. Blue Thunder, I love that name. When I was in high school, we used to... Before energy drinks, we used to drink these, you know, protein drinks, and there was one called Blue Thunder. Let me know if you guys ever heard of it or had it. Uh, it had like egg yolk in it, like raw egg yolk. Actually, it was probably disgusting, but you know, I thought I was getting all jacked at the gym with it. All right, so getting into, we're gonna open up the show of Crown Jewel, and I tell you what, they started off with a bang with this world heavyweight championship match. And I tell you what, this is what's going on, right? This is the best title on Monday Night Raw, as we all know. This is, Seth Rollins has done such a good job with this title and being the, you know, the bearer of it for the very inaugural champion ever since the tournament and beyond. And the right champion was definitely crowned here, right? So Rollins and McIntyre. We got Drew McIntyre on the other side, right? McIntyre comes out. Um, and, you know, I tell you what, he looks ready to go. And I like the WWE and how they've handled this McIntyre semi kind of heel turn, right? Um, I think, you know, there's more to where that came from. The question is, is McIntyre, you guys are all wondering, did he sign an extension? Is he free to go? I think WWE is going to get their money's worth right now out of him either way. And I think that's one reason that you don't see Seth Rollins losing the title to him. But you do see Drew getting used to his full extent and maximizing his potential before he's maybe on the way out. Did the same thing with Edge, right? Of course, Edge was a little more on the down low about it. So this could go either way, but I will say, Drew McIntyre is the real deal. He was champion during the COVID years. Right? Also, oh, I just used the C word, didn't I? (laughs) Moving on. So ultimately, he was champion. And then that point he held the WWE together and just his story, his ability to leave, go away reinvent himself and come back was amazing, right Um, I just recently reviewed and watched his Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast session with Drew McIntyre, I'll link it right up here if you guys want to check that out because that was actually a really good episode, but this matchup, you know, we go back and forth here, right, Uh, shout out on Seth for one of the funnest attires of the night you know it definitely you know kind of dug the little vibe he got going there but what we're looking at here is um, McIntyre heads you know originally kind of really straight up to the outside and then Rollins catches him with a diving knee shot off the apron McIntyre fights with a belly to belly suplex on the ring on the outside and he rolls Rollins back into the ring Rollins tries to fight back and McIntyre catches him with a spine buster for a one and a two McIntyre drags Rollins to his feet and chops on his chest a bit, and then he gets some chops of his own, and they float over McIntyre in the corner. And then McIntyre counters with a mid-air drop kick from below. McIntyre sets up for the Alabama Slam, but Rollins kicks him away and lands an Insuguri. Love that move! I always gives me vibes of Owen Hart back in the day. Ultimately, uh, we get to a point in the match as you see here, where Rollins sets up for a Pedigree. But McIntyre tries to counter into the future shock DDT, but Rollins blocks it. Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, somebody mentioned earlier, and I, you know, I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, if it was you, if he was on my Twitter, you know, just go ahead and throw it down there in the comments. But, you know, Seth Rollins' um, pedigree, right? It's not the strong, even though he inherited it from Triple H, it's not the strongest pedigree in the world. And I almost kind of hate how he uses it as just a quick setup right for you know the pedigree and then he you know goes for the boot right after right so that is um it was never meant to be a precursor move like you know a setup move it was meant to be a finalizing I think of all the people that Triple H has put out over the years with that move and Seth Rollins has just kind of weakened it for me but ultimately you know I die regress um basically we could continue on McIntyre climbs up to the stairs. Uh, A little fast forward in the match a little bit. Uh, McIntyre hits two belly-to-belly suplexes and follows up with a neck breaker. McIntyre goes for the claymore and Rollins counters with a super kick. Rollins hits the stomp, but McIntyre kicks out. Rollins goes for a phoenix splash, but McIntyre rolls out of the way and hits the claymore. McIntyre covers Rollins, but Rollins kicks out again. And McIntyre goes for another claymore, but Rollins ducks And hits you guessed it a very weak pedigree Rollins then follows up with the stomp and that's enough for the one the two and the three Seth Rollins is your winner via the stomp technically at around the 18 minute 28 second mark um Rollins is your current champion he's rolling right along and I do say after I like these little you know matchups for Seth Rollins, right? You had the Nakamura feud, and then you had, you know, the initial championship win in the tournament. Now you got a Drew McIntyre feud, but there's also something looming about, and that is the Money in the Bank lingering in the air. We do after this match get Damian Priest running down to the ring. He tries to cash in, and on the contract, but before he can, Sami Zayn emerges from the crowd, slams Priest into the ring post and Zayn then grabs the money in the bank briefcase and flees back out through the crowd. And they'll tie that into a future storyline here on Monday Night Raw. Moving on, we're gonna talk about the Women's World Championship. We've got Rhea Ripley, the current champion. We've got paired up with a whole slew of women here. We got Zoe Stark, a little Nia Jax. You guys like Nia Jax back in the WWE? Vince McMahon claims that Nia Jax is the Andre the Giant of the women's division. Let me know if you agree with Vince on that. Throw it in the comments or hit me up on Twitter at TheBrianAdkins. We also got Shayna Baszler and Ra- Raquel Rodriguez. So, this matchup, and I want to ask you guys this as well. Who did this matchup benefit the most other than Rhea Ripley? I asked my teammates that over on the Wrestling Fans Inside podcast, and we talked about that last week a little But who is this ultimately going to benefit other than Rhea Ripley? So it starts out, Jax heads to the outside and starts everyone else, starts um, going after everyone else and goes after Ripley. Baszler tries to suplex Stark, but Stark floats over and lands her on her feet. Jax dumps Ripley face first onto the apron, then Rodriguez levels Ripley with a clothesline. Ripley fights back with a low drop, a kick, and Rodriguez then works over Stark. Fast forward a little bit. We get Rodriguez going for a big boot on Baszler, but Baszler catches the leg and locks in the leg lock. Baszler ties up Rodriguez. You know, I kind of wonder if Shayna Baszler has lost her backing a little bit, right? I mean, she lays claim to the fact that she put Ronda Rousey out of the WWE. And while that's true, and she did her the favors there, um, WWE's not really done any favors with Shayna Baszler. I want to say this for a second. I feel like Shayna Baszler... Could be that submission machine, okay? And I originally said many years ago when they started with Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, I said Shayna will outlast them all. When they were going to do the whole four horsewomen of Shayna Baszler's group and Ronda Rousey and the other two fighters from UFC, I feel like Shayna Baszler was more WWE style than Ronda Rousey was, and I felt like she would actually outlast them all, and she has. But. You know let's go back into it so we do get a tower of doom spot in the match we see that quite a bit nowadays and rodriguez connects with the corkscrew elbow to drop jacks and then ripley and rodriguez level each other with a double big boots and then Stark kicks them both to the outside Stark dives onto ripley and rodriguez from the outside and then rolls ripley back into the ring Stark then hits the c360 and jacks breaks up the pin we go on and we get a, we go on. We get a slew of moves, right? We get a tahina bomb. We get a Baszler locks in the, the, clutch on Ripley. Ripley breaks free. There was a point in the match where uh, Baszler actually had like three submission moves locked on three of these competitors. Thought it was pretty sweet, and I was like, hmm, what are they doing here? I know it was a great spot, and that spot kind of end up going to take them into the third part of this match. So in that part, we eventually get a riptide on Stark onto Rodriguez and Baszler to break up Rodriguez's pin. Ripley covers Baszler and gets the one, the two, and the three. So Rhea Ripley defeats Shayna Baszler after a super riptide Zoe Stark. Sounds weird, right? This is about 11 minutes in this matchup and Rhea Ripley is your champion, right? And I did ask the question of who this benefited the most. And yeah, it does benefit Rhea Ripley just to get her a big title defense over a bunch of kind of, you know, average competitors. But ultimately i didn't see anybody in this matchup that just shined outside of ripley it's not a bad thing it's just i kind of like these matches when they're multi may matches to highlight somebody in some format but uh, anyway we do get ria ripley and i will say i liked ria's entrance and costume design and you know attire tonight uh she had very like crow vibes and i think it's just her hair with the whole black but a um, little faded paint. But ultimately, she's your women's champion. She's doing a good job. I like the way they've been booking her. I think back. She won this title in one of my women's matches of the year at WrestleMania against Flair. And I look at this and I see Rhea. And I like how they've taken her off TV. They not let her get stale. They've kept the title on her. She's been involved in the Dominic storyline. She's been involved in NXT. And she hasn't had to defend this title all the time. But when she does, it's important. And how long has it been since we've seen a star like that been able to say that with good booking? And she's been involved in so many other storylines and the champions could be involved in other storylines. And that's perfectly fine. I think they actually did a huge solid to her on that by not having her defended every single pay-per-view or PLE. Um, I'd like to say that. I uh, wish they would have done the same thing a little bit for Bianca Belair, right? Um, and I think that is probably... While Bianca Belairs had a great run, I feel like that has staled her original title reign a little bit just because, you know, she was overexposed. And that's the problem we run when you have so much content to cover in a week. So good job to WWE on getting it right with Rhea Ripley. And I'm keep watching every time she shows up because now I want to see what's going on with her. And what's going on right now is WWE future Hall of Famer and legend, John Cena taking on Solo Sokoa, the younger of the Uso brothers. It's interesting, right? Because this matchup, um, I did get incorrect. I doubled down and said, John's got to take a win here, right? I bought into John's promo. I got hook, line, and sinker, right? I got bought into that. And I said that John's got to take the win here. And I said that because John has been so credible for... You know, so long, and he's given so much this year to the WWE universe, right? He's put over Austin Theory. He's worked a lot of different promos and matches where he's helped younger talent. And, you know, shame on me for maybe thinking that John wouldn't do the same thing here, but at what point are we going to detriment and he's going to be the aging legend that just kind of is around, right? Um, I don't think you can ever ruin the legacy of John Cena this point but let's you know get him throw him a bone now and then so Sokoa goes for a quick Samoan spike in this matchup but Cena evades and locks in a standing side headlock. Cena transitions to a arm ringer followed by an arm bar. Cena dumps Sokoa to the outside and slams his hand into the ring steps. Cena rolls Sokoa back into the ring. Sokoa catches him with the headbutt. This uh, match-up, if you've seen one John Cena match, you've seen a lot of them, right? Um, there's a routine to them. There's some holds. There's some rest periods. And then there's, uh, you know, you guys call it five moves of doom. But, you know, I'll just call it for that reason. But there's a routine to that. It's very the Hulk Hogan formula, right? The John Cena formula. The Rock, that kind of stuff. You know what you're going to get when he's in a match. So at this point, you know, Sakoa, he you know sits back up. He hits some Samoan spikes cena eventually counters with the stf um i kept getting vibes in this matchup i didn't see it though but i i think it's because of the history of john cena and umaga at the new year's revolution pay-per-views um john cena umaga that match i just loved right and i loved when the stfu at the time was used with a ring rope in umaga's mouth to get him to you know tap out And I felt like they were going to go that route here a little bit just to kind of play to that, but they did not, right? So then we get uh, Cena. He ducks. He hits a shoulder tackle. Cena hits the protobomb and the five-knuckle shuffle. Sokoa fights back and sits up in the corner for a third time in the matchup. Cena heads up top and connects with the diving cross body for a one and a two. Cena, again, goes for the attitude adjustment. Or the FU for you old-school fans. But Sokoa, again, fights out. Sokoa goes for a Samoan Spike, but Cena counters it. Cena, once again, goes for the attitude adjustment. And Sokoa counters it into a spinning solo for a one. Hit a two. Sokoa finally hits the Samoan Spike and follows up with a second Samoan Spike. And then we hit a third Samoan Spike. Followed by a fourth Samoan Spike. And I'm sitting here now getting flashbacks of Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. But are we doing that with Samoa Spikes? Samoa Spike City. Does that have a ring to it? I don't think it does. But Samoan Spike City, that's what we're gonna start calling it. Um, So we hit Samoa Spikes to John Cena's limp body and then he finally covers him for a one, a two, and a three. And John Cena put over Solo Sokoa with many, many, many spikes of the Samoan kind. We get about, it's about a 16 minute match. And at that point, I mean, we do get kind of the vicious beatdown of John Cena in this matchup. Will we get a return match? Who knows? I know the WWE was going for some shock factor on the mid card here. Um, I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. I, I probably don't like the fact that I didn't get my prediction right, but that's okay. Um, it was an okay move. I, I think either move would have been okay here. Um, it doesn't, you know, really hurt Sokoa. But, you know, I like the idea. It keeps the bloodline strong. And, you know, it was probably a good call at the end. So um, after this, we do get a segment with, um, we're going to call him, uh, I think it was Abraham. I can't even pronounce the rest of the name. Um, he, he's on Miz TV. Um, it's, it's a local actor. Um, so think of him as the rock of Saudi Arabia, right? Maybe not to that level. But then we get a Grayson Walter interruption. And so he kind of says it's nice to have a movie star, an actual movie star on the segment. So we get a little Waller-Miz interaction, right? And then Abraham Aja goes square off with Waller. Waller knocks him down easily. And Miz sets up Waller for a big kick. Uh, this actor, and then he hits Waller with a skull crushing finale. And then this actor from Saudi Arabia, Abraham, hits the people's elbow celebrating with the Miz a good time to just take a break and kind of stretch your legs a little bit on this pay-per-view. I guess it was placed at the right time. Honestly, guys, not very memorable for us, for most of the world. Um, I'm sure it did mean something to the people of Saudi Arabia. And, you know, it, it is interesting how, you know, when you go to other countries, you know, their stars aren't necessarily your stars, right? I ran into this when I lived overseas in Asia and, you know, I'd go to the mall and I would, you know, interact with these people that were supposed to be a big deal there and of their Hollywood, right? And um, you know, of course I didn't know who they were, so they were just kind of some person I would say hi to or talk to. But it's interesting how we put stars on a pedestal here in the United States and you know, I think we do it everywhere, but we enjoy their craft. Speaking of stars, let's talk about the self-made star, and that is Logan Paul. You guys probably, you know, if you don't know Logan Paul by now, right? Turn on your internet. Turn on YouTube. Guy's got, as Michael Cole started and said, he's got like, what, over 160 million subscribers. Can't even fathom that, right? Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm very appreciative of you guys and my, you know, 300 and some subscribers. By the way, if you're enjoying the content, hit the subscribe button, love to have you. Um, Paul grabs Mysterio's arm initially in the matchup. Now, Mysterio's defending this title. He's had the title for a while. I personally said it might be time for a title change. And we got just that tonight. So they get back and forth into some leapfrogging in the matchup. There's some lion salts. They get a two count. Paul drags Mysterio to his feet. And we hit a rear waist lock takedown. Logan Paul, um, he's a natural, right? He works so hard um, between his boxing and, you know, his promos. Um, and here in wrestling, and you know, he's definitely been a very, the Mavericks, been a welcomed addition to the WWE brand I think he fits them and they fit him also part of team bro Ohio I'm cool with that so Paul you know later on there's a lion salt. he catches Mysterio and counters into a power slam Paul takes Mysterio counters into another power slam and then Paul takes Mysterio up top and hits a moonsault and a fallaway slam for a one and a two Mysterio goes for the 619 but Paul catches Mysterio's legs So at that point, Mysterio fights back with a kick over the top. Heads to the top. Paul uh, climbs up under Mysterio. Mysterio spins around. Hits a sunset bomb out of the corner. Follows up with a code red. And member of Paul's entourage actually hands him some brass knuckles in this one. So um, he wasn't dressed as a prime energy drink this time like at Mania. But we did get a little bit of, you know, interference. The interference tonight from anybody was very sneaky. They stayed very low to the ring. They just didn't come out and keep their head up except for at the very end but at this point he gets the brass knucks on his hand hits the knuckles but then you know mysterio goes to hit a 619 but when he goes for him there's a slingshot splash paul hits him with the brass knucks and gets shot and gets the one the two and the three so i should say um this was due to santos escobar actually emerging from the crowd and chasing away the entourage of logan paul and then he actually uh, left the brass knuckles that everybody's talking about on the apron, which allowed Logan Paul to grab them. Uh, I don't think he did it on purpose, but you guys are, you know, a lot of people are shouting conspiracy theory here. It would be a clever way to maybe plant a small seed of doubt in Mysterio's mind about if the LWO does have his back. You know, your winner here, though, is Logan Paul at the 16 minute, 13 second mark. This was not the best Logan Paul match I've ever seen but I do want to say that is setting a very high bar I think this match did its job I think he worked with Rey Mysterio very well Um, Logan Paul walks over to Mysterio after the matchup and says no disrespect, I respect you You're, you're a legend, I had to do what I had to do Mysterio says you knew what you did alluding to using the brass knucks and cheating Logan Paul says I respect you you're a legend, I had to do what I do man And Logan Paul is your United States champion. And this is a move that I applaud by the WWE. Let's talk about what it means for Logan Paul to have this championship belt over his shoulder. And what this means is, remember what Michael Cole opened up the match with 160 million subscribers for Logan Paul, right? Logan Paul is gonna give the WWE exposure like it's never seen. Very, very important clout with this guy Logan Paul is going to be carrying the belt and I do not care if this belt is not on TV all the time because I know it'll be represented in the community right United States and it's not the main title so this will be good exposure leading into Wrestlemania where somebody will challenge Paul for this championship some of you guys thought the rumor may be a bad bunny versus Logan Paul match at Mania I could see it. Would you trust those two veterans to go at it on their own? Because right now, we've always seen Logan Paul with a seasoned veteran, right? A Roman Reigns, a Rey Mysterio. We've also seen Bad Bunny working very safe matches with seasoned veterans. So, would you trust these two celebrities to go at it and put on an entertaining match? I do want to know that. If you want to hit me up on Twitter or even the comments, let me know because I am kind of curious what thoughts are about a Bad Bunny Logan Paul match. I personally think that they have taken it very serious, and I would actually trust them to do that at WrestleMania 40. Heck, I would trust them to do it at Royal Rumble, add a little spice to that Royal Rumble seasoning. But Triple H, given the approval here, of Logan Paul as his champion. It's gonna be good for the brand. It's gonna be good for both groups. He's gonna take that belt and even carry it into the boxing world. Next time his brother fights or something, he's gonna walk right in there with that championship, right? So I think there's options here with marketing, and I think it is the right call. Let's talk about the loser of the match in the night. Rey Mysterio losing this championship. Yeah, I think it's the right time. I think the championship didn't want to outstay its welcome on Rey Mysterio's ways. He's done what he could do with it. And I don't think what he does with the LWO needs the championship, and him and Santos Escobar did have their match, per se. I do think they got a lot more matches, and I do think that you know we could look at the LWO maybe turning on Rey Mysterio and kicking him out of the group. Look for that, maybe. Up next, we've got the Women's Championship. We've got Bianca Belair trying to get her title back from EOS Sky. And I'll say right now, the crowd was dead for this one. There was a lot of story in this one, which I liked. Um, I wasn't into the match as much. To me, this match was not as good as the match they had in Puerto Rico. And I feel like there was just a lot more area for opportunity. But let's talk a little bit about it. So we got Bianca Belair coming out. She's the ex-champion trying to get her crown back. We've got um, some missile drop kicks, you know, just some scoop slams, some really basic moves in this one. Scott connects with a drop kick later on. There's an injured knee angle going on for Belair. And then goes to the stretch muffler. Uh, Belair fights back with a belly-to-belly suplex, and then slugs it out with Sky in the middle of the ring. Air goes for a grand slam, but rolls through um, back and forth. And again, the crowd was just so dead on this one. I think it's just it was at the doom spot of the card. It's a long night, but um, Bailey appears, you know, at one point helping out EO Sky, and I kind of feel bad for Bailey because bailey has been nothing but a good friend for Io Sky during her championship reign, and I honestly didn't think it would work out at, at all, and they've proven me wrong on that pleasantly. Uh, Bailey's try, actually tried to be the good friend and help Io Sky and say, I got you, girl. Io Sky doesn't want anything to do with it, but what she does want to do with it is Kyrie Sane making her return coming out from the crowd. And I'll tell you what, I like her new look. I like Eo's new look. I like Kyrie Sane's new look. But ultimately... Bailey did save Bianca Belair from winning the title and helped her friend. But what it did end up going to was a little bit of interference from Kyrie saying And we do get Eos Kai retaining um, her title, defeating Belair with a moonsault around the 16 minute 33 second mark. So I like this new look. I like the vibrant colors they got going on and the hair and the outfits. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing maybe them with a tag team title in addition to them still holding on to the women's championship. You know, I, I don't know what to do with those tag team titles, right? I said throw them away, put them with the 24-7 championship. Um, guys, I couldn't even honestly tell you who is the current women's tag team championships. I had to Google it. And it's, you guys know, it's Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. I just, I, I don't know. To me, that doesn't draw tag team Gloriousness, but I would like to see maybe these two, Kyrie Sane and Eo Sky, hold on to a championship and have you know a couple titles on their belts. I could see that working out really well, and maybe that would bring those titles back for relevancy. All right, guys, I want to say thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing. It really helps out my channel, helps me out. Even hitting that like button helps me so much. But. Over on Twitter, X, you know, at the Brian Adkins. Also, check us out at www.thefansofprowrestling.com. We've got a lot of just podcast greatness over there. We've got Austin Boyer. We've got Ted the Hillbilly Hill. Great podcast with the Hill Truth. And then we've got, you know, my favorites, my other tag teammates, the Wrestling Fans Insight with Carlos, Heather, John, Will, the whole crew. We do it up on Sunday Takedown every Sunday. So, Ultimately, though, check us all out. And if you want to get in that network and be part, you know, reach out, let's talk. Because if you got a show, we want to help promote each other and be the positive side of the IWC. Speaking of getting back in, let's get back in and wrap this up. So we've got the Cody Rhodes match against the Money in the Bank holder. It's interesting what the WWE is doing here. You guys see what they're doing with Cody Rhodes. It's very obvious that Cody is going to be at Mania Challenging again. It's the little things, right? It's not just the intent, but it's those little things like you put Cody on in a victory tonight right before Roman Reigns goes on right next to it. So that way, when you think of Roman Reigns, you're going to also think of Cody Rhodes in a shiver of a dream. Also, you've got the money in the bank holder, Damian Priest, right there with him very genius putting these two in a match in this spot in the card. Damian Priest holding money in the bank saying, ooh, he could cash in. What you actually did from a psychological standpoint is you put Cody Rhodes and Damian Priest, what I would say is your two number one contenders for each brand's titles respectively, Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. You put them right next to the main event and you kept Damian Priest thinking about cashing in earlier and now you re feature him here and you feature Cody next to Roman. And also the bookend with the titles opening with the one world title and then closing with the WWE undisputed title. That was genius, right? It has us thinking championships and everything in between. So I definitely want to applaud WWE for doing that tonight. This matchup, um, it was an okay matchup. Again, I think the crowd was just kind of dying down. No, actually I take this one back. The the crowd was very much into this matchup. They were into Cody's theme song. They were singing. They like them some Cody. Um, I like Cody, but I was so tired myself and with me kind of fighting off this flu. Um, I was dragging here on this match. Guys tell me if it was good. I mean, it was just I it took a while for me to really get into it. Um, there was one part, you know, you go back and forth, they had some suicide dives, crossroads, uh that was used. JD Aduna comes out and attacks Rhodes at one point, trying to get his little bit into the judgment day. But there was a kind of a silly spot where um Dominic Mysterio comes out but then Jay Urso emerges chases Ballard and, um, ultimately Rhodes goes for a crossroads but Priest blocks it. Rhodes hits a top rope Cody cutter and follows up with three consecutive crossroads for a three count. There was one spot in this matchup right before that three crossroads that Cody did when Damian Priest had him up on the shoulder Cody reversed it, had him in position to do the crossroads but didn't and then decided to do some other move and let him go And then immediately went right back to his crossroads. And I didn't like that. I was kind of like weirded out, but I was like, why would he not just go for the crossroads when he reversed it? And the fact that we had to use three crossroads to put away. Um, I I don't like the three crossroads thing. I I don't because I feel like the crossroads is a good enough move, like Triple H pedigree, that it can put somebody away. Boom! Like Randy Orton out of nowhere, that kind of thing. I feel like that's how it should be used. I don't think it's the three amigos of Eddie Guerrero where it's just three suplexes, right? I feel like the crossroads is the move and it should just put people away. No questions asked. But Cody Rhodes does defeat Damian Priest here with the crossroads three times, 11 minute mark. So we got the dream continuing of Cody Rhodes, the American nightmare and Keep planting those little seeds, right? We're heading to Survivor Series and War Games. You guys know that. But now we're heading to the main event. Yeah, the main event, LA Knight. One of the hottest WWE superstars in the modern era. To be honest with you guys, and I told the team this. I said, I didn't see LA Knight coming. I seen him on NXT. I dismissed him very quickly. Mr. Maximum Male Model. I didn't you know, think much of him, right? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, L.A. Knight, superstar here. Here's what you're getting with L.A. Knight, and I want to kind of point this out. You're getting a 90s attitude era type wrestler. It's not a bad thing. You're getting the 90s attitude type era wrestler. He's great at the promos. He got through the Miz. Miz is the gateway for that. And now he's getting tested at the main event level. Nobody should be thinking about L.A. Knight winning this championship at Crown Jewel on this evening. If you are, you're thinking about this wrong. And Here's why. Okay, I'm not I'm putting you guys down for it. But if L.A. Knight was to win this championship on this night, there's nothing worse than a superstar that peaks too soon nothing worse. I always said, I think that was kind of the problem with the Miz. He peaked too soon and he went away and he's barely heard from again. Miz is still my guy, Team Bro, Ohio. But ultimately I do feel that, you know, LA Knight, you got to be careful with what you do with him and don't let him peak too soon. They almost did it with Austin Theory with that money in the bank briefcase about a year ago. So, this is the testing ground. Does LA Knight have what it takes to be a future main eventer and be a WWE champion and do the work of a champion? To actually go on those talk shows, to actually work the scene, to actually do the babyface grind of the WWE, representing the whole brand on your shoulders, like John Cena? He's gotten blessed by John Cena. Does he have it? Let's find out tonight. Knight takes to the fight immediately to Reigns and as soon as the bell rings but Reigns quickly levels Knight with a back elbow shot. Reigns dumps Knight to the apron and Knight snaps Reigns neck right off from the rope. Knight climbs back into the ring and hits a power slam. Heyman distracts Knight as Reigns rolls out of the ring and Knight delivers an elbow shot to Reigns on the apron and then connects with a diving clothesline off the apron. Knight sets up an announce table for carnage but then Reigns Drops Knight into the ring steps. Reigns whips Knight's shoulder first into the ring. So they get some more action on the outsides, Reigns hits the ropes, and Knight levels him with a clothesline for a one and a two. We get a lot of the, the typical stuff, right? Um, a very slow, methodical matchup here. I just love this picture of L.A. Knight looking freaked out in midair. Roman just getting ready to clock him. It's a great shot right there. But Knight leaps back up. Hits the superplex solo sokoa eventually later in the match emerges on top of the stage distracts the referee as jimmy uso emerges from the crowd pulls reigns out of the ring reigns regroups and heads back into the ring and spears knight but knight kicks out at a one in a two reigns drags knight back to his feet and locks a front face lock knight fights back to his feet and muscles reigns into the corner but reigns goes right back to the front face lock knight breaks free and hits the blunt force trauma and jimmy uso puts rain's uh, feet on the ropes helping out the tribal chief knight heads to the outside and bounces uso's face off the table and this is where i was thinking uh oh we're getting a jimmy distraction which is going to kind of start unfolding a little bit Reigns tries to come in for the save on jimmy but knight bounces rain's face off the table And this is where the WWE showed the inexperience of LA Knight as a rookie challenger. And what I mean by that is a rookie challenger. First time you're gonna make mistakes, it's a rookie mistake. He went after the distraction, he fought the distraction and it was ultimately his undoing here. Knight drives Uso through the announce table, but Reigns spears Knight on the distraction through the barricade, boom, right through it. Knight then heads back into the ring but Reigns catches him with another spear for the one, the two, and the three. And Paul Heyman comforts Roman Reigns as he survived the nightmare of L.A. night. Not a bad matchup um, on this one. Slow, methodical Roman Reigns. Kind of the same old stuff, right? Um, we get the Sola Sokoa distraction, the Jimmy Uso interference. Um, you know, I, you guys know how I feel about this Jimmy Uso storyline. I think it's a little silly for him to want him back in. I think he should have stayed out with his brother and they should have moved on, right? But ultimately, it's just they're trying to prolong this story for that mania or that late season payoff. So at this point, um, I will say it's what the crowd expected. It's what we expected. And let's answer the question. Did LA Knight do enough in this matchup to become a future main eventer? Let's cover that in our final thoughts. Final thoughts tonight. All right, we've got L.A. Knight in the main event. And I will say, I think he showed me enough. He didn't do anything like over-the-top great amazing, but he didn't do anything really terrible either. I think he showed that he can work a Roman Reigns-style matchup, and he didn't do anything to embarrass himself, right? I, for my money, still like the Logan Paul Roman Reigns match where Logan Paul just kind of wowed us, but I think Logan Paul had to do more to wow us just because of his people questioning his in-ring ability in this case la knight has already won over the majority of you guys outside of the ring and once you can win somebody over with the interactions outside of the ring you could walk in there and do whatever you kind of want and as long as you don't mess up too bad you're gonna you know have a nice decent paced match and the biggest thing is is people are now starting to see you in the same light as roman reigns So I think overall it was a success at Crown Jewel. And you guys are going to remember this matchup. If LA Knight ever becomes a WWE champion in the future, you're going to say this is where it started and where the WWE tested him to see if they have a future in him. I am going to kind of talk about it in another video sometime about who are the possible future guys of the WWE, the legit ones, not the posers, right? And I want to know like kind of who those people are And I would like to, you know, kind of talk about that on one of the shows. But for now, let's talk about Crown Jewel a little more. So I was going to say, for me, the opening matchup, and by that I mean the World champion with Seth Rollins, always golden. Him and Drew McIntyre still got more in that program, and I enjoyed it. Um, And then I think it ended okay. There was a middle drought for me. I'd say it was after the Rhea Ripley match, maybe after the John Cena match. Um, And it just didn't draw me in as much. But I would say, you know, the show is a good time out. No alcohol required. Um, I think, you know, we've got through it. And now we can focus on what everybody's really been talking about for months. And that is War Games Survivor Series. Guys, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you so much for everything you do for me, for the community, over in Twitter X world. And I just want to say again, like, share, subscribe. Thanks for watching. It's not goodbye around here. It's game over.